You're listening to episode two of the Date Yourself podcast. So right now it is a Thursday. No, I have no idea what day of the week it is. Apparently, you know, teacher on break. Don't even know what day of the week it is. It's not Thursday. It is Sunday and it is like 7 p.m. But I spent time earlier today with uh, my coworker. I call her my work wife. Um, and we were preparing for our trip that we were about to take. We are leaving on Tuesday morning, um, so on the 1st, to head out to California. And we have a carload of books that we are taking out there. And I will explain more about that later in the episode. So keep listening if you want to hear why I'm taking a carload of books to California. I have lived a thousand lives. There's a famous quote from author George R. R. Martin, who wrote the Game of Thrones series, and he says, A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. And I just think that's such a powerful sentence. Um, and it's so true for me. I've always loved reading ever since I was a teenager. Um, well, I haven't always loved reading, but ever since I was a teenager, I've really, really loved reading. And I can honestly say that I've lived a thousand lives through all the different books I've read and the various characters and storylines that I've been immersed in. I really feel that reading is such an empathy builder and it allows you for a moment in time to be in someone else's point of view, to be in someone else's shoes, to know what it's like to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And um, this year, I've been really trying to be more intentional about my reading habits and reading. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of the things that I've done to have more intentionality around reading and to really make it a practice that I integrate into my daily life. So if you look into the science behind reading and really how it affects the brain, um, but especially the brain of adults, because that's what I'm talking about here, is how you can date yourself and love yourself and do things that are good for yourself. And I'm an adult, so uh, this is what most applies to me. But there's lots of science behind reading. Um, so they say that reading can help you sleep better. Um, many sleep experts recommend establishing a regular de-stressing routine before bed to calm your mind and cue your body for shut-eyes. So that's, they really think that reading um, can give those signals. And, you know, they now know with a lot of the blue lights that are in screens, so staring at your cell phone, watching Netflix before bed, things like that they really say are not good for shutting off the brain and getting a well-rested sleep, which I know a lot of my adult friends really struggle with. Um, but reading is something you can do that will um, actually be good for you. Um so they say getting lost in a book can make you a more empathetic person, which is what I said earlier. So there was a study that was published um, in the journal uh, Pulos One. So they say that um, researchers in the Netherlands did two experiments, and they found that people who were emotionally transported by a work of fiction, meaning they felt immersed in the story, experienced boosts in empathy, compared to the people who did not feel that. Um, 
So they were able to show that self-reported empathetic skills significantly changed over the course of a week for readers of fictional stories by fiction author Arthur Conan Doyle or Jose, Jose Saramongo. Um, but more specifically, the highly transported readers of Doyle became more empathetic, while transport, non-transported readers of both Doyle and Saramongo became less empathetic. Um, they also say, let's see, where is it? It can help you relax, um, and there's signs that it can also help uh, reduce uh, some of the symptoms or likeliness of getting Alzheimer's when you're older, which is awesome, right? Can't go wrong with that. So, yeah. So, earlier this fall, in October, I went to the Colorado Language Arts Society's annual fall conference, which I actually spoke at. Um, which is something I'll talk about another time on another episode. But when I was there, I got to see uh, Penny Kittle speak. She is an amazing teacher and author um, and advocate of reading. And she recently wrote a book uh, with another amazing teacher author whose name is Kelly Gallagher. And they co-authored this book um, called 180 Days. But Penny Kittle has other books that are just about... Um, getting kids and students engaged in reading and finding them books that they love. So seeing her talk was really awesome. She is just such a powerful speaker and really um, her whole goal is just to motivate people to find books they love and to read more. And with her students, that's what she does. And she shared some really awesome tips for incorporating um, like free reading time every day in class. So ever since I saw her, um, which was in my first quarter of school. So starting second quarter, I let my students do free reading every single day for 20 minutes. I have um, like basically an hour and a half for my English class, essentially. So I took 20 minutes of every period and I let my students free read. Now we had books in class that we were reading as groups. And so they could always read those books um, because they had assigned reading that they had to get done each week. So that was an option for them, was just to read the book they, they still had work for. Um, or they could choose any book from our 7-8 pod library that we have, or from the books that I own. They were allowed to choose a book and just do free reading with it. And then at the end of the quarter, I surveyed my students about whether or not they enjoyed the free reading time. Um, I surveyed them about if they had gotten a good book recommendation from me at any point during the quarter. So my hope is that students who answered no to that question, um, I could work on finding them a good recommendation for the next quarter. So that way I feel like I'm really reaching every student with at least one book recommendation, um, which is so important to me because I think if kids get started on a path where they find books that they're enjoying, it just builds and grows from there. And they kind of start setting their own goals. Now, I'm really lucky that I work with the highest level language arts students in the 7th and 8th grade. So a lot of them, on their own, they just really love reading. Um, but the results I got from the survey were really awesome. I asked students to list books that they'd read in the past that they really enjoyed um, or genres that they enjoyed. So now I'm able to take that data and help find all of my students really awesome books to read, um, which I'm so excited about. And then the data showed overwhelmingly that the majority of my class really, really enjoyed the silent reading time. Um, so now I'm going to be working 
using some of the uh, Kittle and Gallagher strategies to make it even more effective by conferencing with students because last quarter what I was doing was something that I also think could be really effective is uh, modeling. So when my students read, I read. So I was reading too, which was awesome because I love to read. And so it gave me 20 minutes out of every day that I could just silently read um, and not have to worry about anything. And it was amazing. But next quarter, I want to incorporate like book conferences. Um, so conferencing with students, talking about the books they're reading, um, just checking in with them and maybe some sort of like journal that they're able to write like beautiful lines in because that was something I saw that Penny Kittle did that she shared at the conference that looked really awesome. Kids could draw or write just kind of reflections as they read or lines they found really beautiful. Um, she says, you know, she encourages her students that like the best writers are also the best readers. Like they're people who read ferociously. And, you know, if you see a line that you really love in someone else's writing, how could you take that technique and try to use it as a writer as well? Um, because at the end of the day, I'm not just a reading teacher, I'm a writing teacher as well. So that's so important to me. So one way then, obviously, that I've tried to um, incorporate reading into my daily life is in my classroom and through my students, um, which is what I just shared after attending uh, the conference and seeing Penny Kittle speak. That's just been a way that I've easily incorporated it um, and tried to build a lifelong love of reading for my students and to reinvigorate that for myself because as a teacher and an adult, sometimes you know, you get so focused on all the things that you need to do in your life and you forget. You stop reading at night. You turn on the Netflix and tune out at the end of the day. Um, you don't wake up early. You don't give yourself just even 20 minutes of free reading. And I think that it's so vital and I want to practice what I preach. Like I tell my students how much I love books and I love reading, but then I'd realized like in the last year I hadn't read even, you know, more books than I could count on my hands. Like, that's sad. I should be able to read way more than that. Um, so just by incorporating it into my classroom, it's helped me incorporate it back into my personal life, which I love. In order to hold myself more accountable for my reading habits this year, I, after seeing Penny Kittle speak, I posted on social media that I wanted to read more and that I was interested in starting a book club. And the response that I got was crazy. So first I posted onto this English teacher's page I'm a part of on Facebook called Secondary ELA Teachers. And I would say probably 50, 70 people responded saying they were interested. So my original intention was, okay, I'm going to do this online book club I will pick a theme every month, and then within that theme, I'll pick books, and I'll have everybody vote on what book we should read, and then we'll read it, and at the end of the month, we'll have a discussion. Well, it just got kind of out of hand having 70 people, and it was really hard for me to continue to organize that, so I ended up with just some people who actually um, live near me in Colorado. Most of them are coworkers or people who used to work at my school that I'm still friends with, so there's been about four of us who attend regularly, which isn't that many people, but it's been awesome. We've read all sorts of different books every month. It's a different topic. So our first month was nonfiction, and we read All Be Gone in the Dark by Kathleen McNamara. Our second month 
was verse novels and for our verse novel we read a verse novel called Paper Hearts. Our third month we did um, young adult LGBTQ so a lot of the books we do in our book club we try to do a lot of young adult books or books that relate to our lives as teachers um, just because if we are reading young adult novels then we have books that we can recommend to our students which is awesome. So we read um, a book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe and I'd read that book previously and it, but it was awesome to reread it again. It's such a wonderful uh, beautiful, just beautiful lyrical novel. I would highly recommend it to anyone. And then our most recent month, we are doing self-care um, books. So the book we chose to read is a book called um, The Priority List. And I can't remember the author of it, uh, but he was a teacher and he writes kind of about his life journey and life experiences and being a teacher, um, he ends up getting diagnosed with cancer and goes on a road trip to visit all of his former students. So it's really kind of like inspirational, uh, has a lot of anecdotes about teaching, just a lot of great things to kind of pump you up. I know for me, at least uh, in my life, I feel like January and February can always be such a draining time of the year. Um, you're like, you're rejuvenated, ready to go back to school. And then like, there's just a lot that's happening. Uh, in the spring and in the semester, so it was a good book for that for that reason. But I've really been enjoying our book club. We usually meet towards the end of the month, and we just go to Old Chicago and we hang out and order food and drinks and talk about the books and talk about like things that relate to the novels. So we're bringing in you know current events and world history, and it's just so much fun and it's really encouraged me to at least have the goal of, I know I have to read one book a month. Um, and I've actually been reading more than one book a month, I would say, which is awesome. But it is holding me accountable for at least that one book. So I've seen, uh, you know, on my Goodreads account, you can um, set goals for yourself. So I set a simple goal of trying to read two books a month for the whole year, which puts me at 24 books. I've seen a lot of other people who are going, you know, oh, I want to read 100 books or 50 books. That's awesome. I think whatever your goal is, is great. As long as you're engaging in that practice of reading more and really like setting up yourself for success by setting goals to say like, I'm going to have this book read. I'm going to have another book read by this time. Um, it's not necessarily just about like chomping out and reading books and as fast as you can and, you know, crushing pages. It's what are you getting from it? So if it's not a book you're enjoying, put it down and find a new one. Um, either way, I've been really enjoying just engaging with books again in a different way. If you are interested in seeing more of what my book club is up to and what we're currently reading, you can check out our Instagram. It is the Too Lit To Quit Book Club. That's Too Lit To Quit. Um, you can find us on Instagram to see what we're reading or what our choices are for each month. So I'm sure a lot of you are wondering why at the beginning of the episode I told you that I was going with my work wife to California with a car full of books. So I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, so I mentioned earlier that there's a Facebook group I'm a part of. It's called Secondary and it's the number two and then N-D-R-Y 
and then ELA, ELA teachers. So it's for secondary education, English language arts teachers. So middle school and high school English teachers. And it is one of the best uh, teacher communities that I'm a part of. People on there are positive, supportive. They will share lesson plans. They'll ask questions, advice, feedback. It is great. And there was a teacher who posted on the Facebook page um, saying that she was from uh, just outside of Paradise, California, but she worked in the town of Paradise at a local K-8 through charter school. Um, so it was called Children's Community Charter. And her school, most of it was burned down in the fires that happened in Paradise. Um, and she said about 90% of her students lost their homes. So she had spent a lot of time uh, also reading uh, Penny Kittle and Gallagher and restructuring her classroom to include independent, silent reading time. She had gotten a bunch of books and been buying them and had this awesome classroom library, and unfortunately with the fires, it was burned down. So she wasn't able to get access to those books again because even the books that um, survive the fire were damaged by the smoke and so they're not allowed to use them again. So because of that she posted just asking like, hey, does anybody, would anybody be willing to donate? Does anybody know what we could do? And my school decided to help out. So at my school we do this program called Advocacy, uh, which is basically a time for students to do social emotional learning and we thought it would be the perfect opportunity to have our students give back. So we worked with our younger buddy advocates um, who are in the third and fourth grade to create ca kindness cards that we could put inside books that we would get donated from our community. So we asked families if you have any extra books laying around or a book that your child doesn't read anymore, feel free to donate it. And we got boxes upon boxes of books. So we filled them with cards and then originally we were just going to mail them out, mail it out to them. And then I was thinking about how the cost of shipping was going to be pretty expensive and who was going to pay for that. So all these thoughts were going through my head and my work wife said, hey, we are going to be on winter break. Why don't we just make a road trip and drive out there to deliver them? And I thought that sounded like a really fun idea. So that's exactly what we did. So we live in Denver, Colorado. So we started in Denver, actually at my parents' house outside of Denver. And then we took my mom's car because she has a big car that she let us use. Originally, we were going to rent one and then it just, it was expensive and my mom said she would let us use hers. So we took my mom's car, um, we loaded up the car with books and we left from Denver and we went to Midway, Utah, which is like a really kind of small town in Utah. But in Midway, Utah, they have an underground crater hot spring. So we were looking for places to stay kind of along the way and to uh, make this road trip out to California and back. And I love hot springs. They're just good for my soul and they feel warm and amazing and I love them. And this one looks super cool. So I booked us a night at the hotel there. They have um, basically like a ton of different buildings. It's a kind of some big land where they have this underground crater hot spring and you can go soak in the natural mineral water and so we did that and that was awesome and that was our first day and our first night so we drove all the way there stayed the night the next day we got up 
and then the kind of midway points um, before we were to reach Paradise, uh, not midway, but like closer to Paradise, was Reno, Nevada. And we thought, well, that would be fun. And so we found a room at like um, a casino hotel resort for like $30 for the night. So we were like done. So we stayed there. Um, my work wife ended up winning like $60 or something like that. Uh, gambling, which was awesome. Uh, we didn't gamble too much, but we had fun. And we stayed the night there, woke up the next morning to drive to Paradise, which was only a couple hours away. So Paradise wasn't too far, but we knew that there probably wouldn't be hotels to stay at around Paradise because the fires had just happened and they were trying to rebuild and there was a lot happening there. So we drove actually just outside of Paradise to Chico, California. Um, we went to the house of the teacher who I'd connected with over Facebook that we were donating the books to, and she was awesome. It was a really amazing opportunity to be able to travel across the country and meet somebody who teaches middle school English just like you do and to have those conversations about what are your kids doing, what are we learning, are we doing similar things, like how, how do I stack up, what's your school doing, what's your school like? Um, it was just an awesome conversation, teacher to teacher, and then human to human, we had, um, a pretty impactful and emotional conversation about the fires that happened in and around Paradise and what that was like for her, and she was telling us about the day that it kind of start, all started, and she was just driving into work, and they called her, and they said, don't come into work today, and she was like, oh, why, because there's the fire or whatever, and she didn't think that it was a big fire. She didn't know. And they were like, no, like, it's really bad. Like, don't come into work. And then that happened continuously for days um, while they were dealing with this. It was it was a long time that this fire was burning. And unfortunately, it took out um, half of the school she worked at, which was the Children's Community Charter, like I said. And then it also, she said, burned down about 90% of the students' homes. Um, and there were some people I know that that died in the fires as well. She was explaining to us kind of how the town um, is built and constructed and how there's really only two main roadways in and out of Paradise. And so when the fires were happening and citizens were trying to escape, it was actually really difficult because there were only two ways out and it was just backed up for miles. And so people who were trying to escape couldn't even really get out right away. Um, so that was like really interesting and sad to hear. So she encouraged my work wife and I to um, go from her house in Chico and actually drive up to Paradise and drive up to the school and see what it's like and just to see that for ourselves and to really get an understanding of what the people in the town of Paradise are going through as they try to rebuild. And I'm getting kind of emotional because it was honestly like really difficult and hard to see. Um... I've never seen a fire, uh, an area that was affected by a fire afterwards. Like, we just, we, we get some fires in Colorado, but it's usually, like, controlled burns up the mountains. We haven't really had anything. A few years ago, we had a pretty bad fire, I remember. But I've never witnessed or seen anything like this. So just traveling through, it's really interesting. You're driving, and, um... She was explaining to us that when he first entered Paradise before the fires, like, there's just trees everywhere, so you really can't even see into the city of Paradise. And now, as you enter the trees, you can see, like, the line where they've burned down. 
And so you can see into the, the kind of the town, the Valley of Paradise, which before you couldn't see that as much. So that was interesting. And then you're driving through the town and it'll, it'll be super weird because there will be like random areas that are burned down. So there will be like a house that's completely burned down. And the only thing that you see that's left is like the chimney. Um, and then right next to it, there will be a house that's completely standing and totally fine. I mean, fine, minus the, you know, outside damage to other things and the, the smoke damage, I'm sure. Um, so fine is a relative term, but it was really weird how you would just be driving and there were some, like, a house completely burned down and then a house that was still standing and, like, mostly fine. Like, really weird. So we drove up to the school and it looked, like, post-apocalyptic. Like, you just see this, like, burnt-down playground where the kids obviously used to play at the school itself. Like, in the back, we walked around and there were still, like, lunch boxes like, hanging up on the coat rack. Like, people had just, like, been there and then, like, they were just gone the next day. Um, so half of the school, it was basically two buildings. So one of the buildings, um, completely burned down. And then the other one was not burned down, but was heavily destroyed by all of the smoke. So they weren't allowed to be at the buildings and probably can't be there for some time, uh, while they tried to rebuild and redo everything. So they, the school itself has been holding classes at like a church, so she, the teacher we met, said that she's going to basically be moving room to room, like, whenever another teacher's on plan, she will be utilizing that room to do her lessons and her teaching, because they just don't have enough space for all the teachers. Um, before they were in this church that they're holding classes at now, she said that they were sharing a gym with another school, so it was literally their entire kindergarten through eighth grade, plus another school all sharing this this gymnasium space to try to teach like how can you teach in that sort of environment and I just imagine like what the kids were going through as well the trauma of having lost their homes their things maybe losing people um it's just a very traumatic experience and so it was a really really um sad but also really amazing to go and see this and I know the teacher we met was so grateful for all the books. And um, shout out to everybody on the secondary Gila page who supported her. I know a lot of people donated books via Amazon um, or, like, brought books out to her. Like, she said her garage was full of books. And she was like, it's awesome, but I don't know what to do with them right now because I don't have a school to store them at. But I'm, like, so excited. And she was excited to share the books with her kids. And I was telling her, oh, like, this is a really great book that my students love. And... So I know the books are going to a good home. I know they're going somewhere that they'll be loved and utilized. Um, so that makes me feel endlessly, endlessly good. Um, so after visiting Paradise, which was kind of like our big destination for our trip, um, we continued on uh, because coming back to Denver, um, I had friends that kind of lived in and along the way. So... A girl who I used to teach with at my old school, she was my old work wife, um, her name's Dolly, she's amazing, she is a, she works for Oakland Public Schools, so after going to Paradise, we drove the rest of that day to Oakland, um, and we stayed with her and her roommates, shout out to them for being amazing, um, and awesome hosts, they let us stay there for free, and it was really awesome, because I hadn't seen her in a, in a year. It had actually been probably about a year almost exactly since I had seen her. Um, 
And the last time I saw her was because she came back to Denver to visit because our really good friend, um, who we all taught with, had passed away. He was kind of like one of the pillars of our friendship and like a rock just kind of in that time in my life and in that time in her life as well. Like he was just someone that was so there for us and so amazing. And I know we got the opportunity um, to go out and just hang out together and talk about some of those old times and to also remember our friend who had passed on and that was really awesome because it had been um, basically a year since he had passed away and since she had been out there for the memorial. So that was really awesome. I got to see my old work wife. I got to spend time with her and I got to celebrate the life of a friend who I love and I miss. So that was great. Um, after staying in Oakland for two days, so in Oakland, we did some, like, fun things. We went and we did a ghost tour, uh, which was led by a drag queen. It was fabulous and awesome, and I learned a lot of, like, the creepy history of San Francisco. Super fun. We did that our first night. Um, we went to, like, uh, Chinatown in Oakland. We rode those, like, scooters that you can rent on your phone, so that made me feel like a little kid again, which was great. And then after we left Oakland, we went... And I have an aunt and uncle that live outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. They live in Henderson, Nevada. And so they let us stay there for free because, you know, we're teachers. And we're, we're not trying to stay at the Hilton. We're budgeting, budgeting this trip. So we stayed in with my aunt and uncle for free, which was great. Um, we went with my aunt to a casino in Henderson and we played bingo. And I won $500 playing the slot machine, which was awesome. I've never, ever, ever in my life won money gambling. So this is like a first time for me, and it was great. <laughs> um, so I was very excited about that. It basically helped pay for a lot of the gas and for my trip, which was awesome. Um, and then we just stayed one night in Henderson. We left and stopped at Grand Junction on the way back to Denver, because um, that's like seven hours to the west of Denver. Um, not seven, I'm sorry. It's like five and a half, if that. It's like five and a half. Um... But I lived in Grand Junction for a while when I was in college, and I went to school there for two years before I transferred back down to Denver. So I got to see um, some of my old friends from my college days that I love so much. So we stayed with my friends Milton and Anna, who are married, and then my friend Nicole and her husband um, came over, and we had, like, a game night and just, like, laughed a lot, and we were ridiculous. And it was awesome and super fun, and I just loved being able to see them. Um... And I appreciate my friends, Milton and Anna, because this is the second time that I've come to Grand Junction to visit um, for various reasons. And I've stayed with them, so they're awesome, and I appreciate that. And if they're ever in Denver, um, my house is really tiny, but they could stay with me. So that was awesome. And then from Grand Junction, we drove back to Denver. There was a lot of snow coming down the mountain pass, but other than that, it was amazing got home, which my parents were super relieved because they were nervous the whole time that something bad was going to happen and we would get stuck on the road, but we were fine. Besides um, the last leg of it where there was snow coming down the mountain, like, we didn't really encounter any weather problems, no car trouble. It was awesome. So it was a really amazing experience. It was definitely what I needed. Like, I just needed an adventure for my soul, man. Um... That's my one word this year is adventure, so I was starting my year off strong with that. Needed adventure, needed something to 
give back to share this like love of reading that I found this my date yourself philosophy I think I, it's much bigger than just me and me sharing my random thoughts and life and things that are happening on this you know podcast I don't even know who listens to this but it's more than that it's the fact that I got to go and give books and share books that I love with another teacher across the country who desperately needed these books to help her students because as I said before reading is so therapeutic reading um, is so empathy building it's so amazing and even for my students here in Colorado they got the opportunity to say hey, we love reading and we're sharing this with kids our age who are dealing with something that's kind of unimaginable to a lot of my students, you know. Um, not very many of them have had to go through things that are similar. Some of them have told me about similar situations, but most of them have not dealt with that, that sort of trauma or adversity yet in their young lives. And so for them to be able to give back to another community was really awesome. And to have my entire school supporting that was amazing. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. And I just, uh, shout out to all of the teachers and, uh, people in the town of paradise who are working hard to rebuild, who are there for the kids, keeping them safe, um, really just creating this awesome atmosphere. I know, um, we heard a lot about how the town plans to rebuild and things that they want to do differently. And that's really cool just to see kind of the strength of the community coming together after something so horrible and traumatic happened for so many people. Um, so yeah. Thank you for listening to this second episode of the Date Yourself podcast. So I've actually spent a long time working on this episode because I'm like kind of a perfectionist, but I also um, am still learning a lot about recording and recording tools and how to make my podcast kind of the way I want it. So bear with me for, you know, the next episodes as I continue to experiment and figure out what works best for me. Um, but I do really appreciate you listening and hopefully you got something out of this episode. Hopefully you'll go find a good book to read. If you need a recommendation, you can go follow me on Goodreads. You can, um, look up my, um, book clubs account on Instagram, follow us there. There are just, I just want to share the love of reading with you and I hope that is something you're able to take away from this episode. So go date yourself, go find a good book to read, and have an awesome week, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.